Hello everyone, you're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 164, as I'll be talking 1967, point blank. Who the hell are you anyway? Walker, where do I find Reese? I've got nothing to do with Reese. Hey, what's going on everybody? I am back to continue old school June, as I'll be talking point blank this week. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed uh, In the Heat of the Night from last week, uh, which was another movie that came out in 1967. But uh, this week, I'm going a little bit more hard-boiled in a way with um, talking about some Lee Marvin and Point Blank. Now, before I get into the movie, I'll just talk about um, cast real quick. So, movie stars, of course, uh, Lee Marvin as Walker, Angie Dickerson as Chris, Keenan Wynn as Yost, Carol O'Connor as Brewster, Lloyd Lloyd Bunchner as frederick carter michael strong as stegman john vernon as Maurice, sharon aker as lynn and also in a small earlier performance of his the the late sid haig plays a um he, he's credited as the first penthouse lobby guard and i mean I've, I've always seen this movie like over the years and everything and this was the first time that I actually recognized Sid Haig was actually in this movie, which is ironically and everything. This is one of like his earlier movie roles. So, um, the synopsis for this movie is <clears throat> after being double crossed and left for dead, a mysterious man named Walker single mindedly ties to tries to retrieve the money that was stolen from him. Very simple from a plot standpoint, but it's a lot deeper than that. Of course, um, so the movie was directed by John Borman, who is probably best known. I mean, besides this movie, he's probably best known for movies like Deliverance, which came out in 1972. Um, and infamously, infamously, I should say for the Exorcist to the heretic. Ugh, Jesus, that freaking movie. But, um, but yeah, that's probably, and then like his, looking through his filmography, like the last like big movie that anyone probably noticed is The Tailor of Panama, which came out in 2001 with uh, Pierce Brosnan. But uh, his, I would say his best movies are probably in that, from that late 60 to, uh, I want to say late to mid 70s really and then after that it just kind of goes a little bit all over the place like Excalibur in 81 um Hope and Glory in 87 um and then a bunch of other stuff uh that I'm not too familiar with um and then like I said his last but the last thing that he had, he did was this movie called Queen and Country which came out in 2014 um and everything so so yeah, so getting into this talking about this movie, um, the movie opens up with uh, Walker being shot, and it's like, okay, that's an interesting way to kick off the movie and whatnot, and you're trying to figure out exactly what the hell is going on here, so we get a flashback of him along with his uh, friend Reese, played by John Vernon, as they coming up with the whole plot and scheme to um, to steal you know, this $93,000 basically. And it's basically the team of Walker, Reese, and Walker's wife of Lynn. 
and everything. And through those little flashbacks, we, we get to see how he ended up being shot. But we never see who exactly shoots him. And we think, okay, he's dead or whatnot. But in the process of that, he manages to some way, somehow survives. And because this all takes place on Alcatraz Island. Now, there's no one there at this point in time and everything because the prison has been shut down at this point in time. So there's no one there. So how exactly did he survive, which kind of always raised the question of whether or not Walker is like a ghost to some degree that's been given this opportunity to kind of, you know, finish, you know, trying to finish up some unfinished business before he's allowed to cross over to the other side. Kind of similar to um, Charles Bronson's character of Harmonica in Once Upon a Time in the West as well as uh, Pierce Brosnan's character in the movie Seraphim Falls um, and everything. He just has this type of world, like surreal type of thing about it. Also, too, I forgot to mention another character that's similar to that is the character that um, Clint Eastwood plays in uh, High Plains Drifter because it's always been theorized that he was actually the murdered sheriff in that movie that's his ghost is allowed to come back to right the wrongs that was done to him and everything. So it, it, this movie has, I would say some, I want to say almost horror ish type of, uh, quality to it with that whole aspect and everything, but it's never outright said that that's what, you know, it is, but it, it has very much the similarities to him being like a ghostly figure, especially when throughout the movie, the question is asked about, are you alive? And everything like that. So I always thought that was kind of interesting. So um, we kind of fast forward to after to where Walker is kind of cutting back and forth between him, you know, stumbling out of uh, Alcatraz, all, you know, kind of beat up and everything. And he goes out and get into the water and it's intercut with him on the San Francisco boat tour which I can actually say that I actually took uh, when I went on vacation out in San Francisco. I went on that same boat tour and it goes around um, in the water and you listen to the narration, like giving the detail about the history of San Francisco, about Trash and everything like that. And it is very much very similar. The only difference is, is that instead of it being like on a loud horn, as you're listening to the narration, now you have uh, headphones that they give you. You hear it like that whatnot but uh it was kind of cool because the island alcatraz is on hasn't changed really i mean i i still have the pictures that i took of alcatraz island and is is virtually still the same from what it looked like in this movie um and everything like that um so yeah while walker is on the the boat tour he's there with a man named yost played by keenan Wynn and Yost, he basically wants the organization for himself. He doesn't tell Walker why, but he knows that Walker wants uh, Mal Reese. So basically they form an alliance to get what each other wants, that he will help Walker get Reese if it helps him to get the organization. And this organization is never said by name of exactly what it is, but it's just the organization and everything. So they make a deal for that um, because Walker wants the money that was stolen from him 
So he agrees to make the deal with Yost in order to do this. So after that whole meeting, um, Walker in like the most iconic scene from this movie is him walking down this hallway and all you hear is the click clack of his shoes going down this hallway um, or what that. And like I said, it's a, it's a very, it, it's a very memorable scene because it's almost like his shoes are making music as he's walking down this hallway and like I say, Lee Marvin looking like a badass and everything in his suit and whatnot as he walks down this hallway. So, uh, so he gets, um, so after he leaves from where he's at, he goes to his uh, ex-wife's place and, you know, f- it's kind of funny how he basically kicks through the door. He grabs her cause she was getting ready to leave. He grabs her, pushes her down to the floor. He goes into the bedroom burst through the door and without hesitation he starts shooting the hell out of the bed because yost told him that's where reese would that's where reese was living was with um his wife of uh lynn and everything he but like i say the fact that he just burst in there just starts shooting the hell out of the bed and everything and of course there's no one there and he just kind of looks around like huh or what that was like so that's how you do you just burst through doors and you, you just shoot the hell out of the place or whatnot so after that, um, Walker, he goes back and gets with Lynn, who is completely out. She doesn't know what the hell just happened. The fact that he just shows up randomly like that because she's thinking he's been dead and everything. So they sit down on the couch and we get some more flashback of where, like how everything went down, where, you know, after they got the money and everything and Reese is trying to count the money and everything and he has like an attitude with uh walker whatnot and walker's looking at him like the hell's your problem so walker he goes into one of the cells just to lay down and lynn she goes and lays down with him and reese he comes in and he ends up telling lynn to come to him and as she comes out of the cell to come to him and walker gets up we find out exactly who shoots walker which was reese reese is the one who shot him and they left him for dead and they got the hell out of there and after that is where reese was reese and lynn had formed a relationship but lynn gives this ridiculous um reasoning for why she's with him is because when he first was interested because we get like the little history of how walker and lynn um met each other and then also too after they've been together for a while when reese is brought in you know he, he shows up and how him and walker you know are inseparable and he be, they become like a trio and she tells walker that well you know because he was around all the time i found myself being drawn more to him than to you and it's like but you're married to this dude like you wasn't married to Reese if you didn't want to be with him so you just say you didn't want to be with him but you didn't have to go along with trying to kill the dude and it's like why would you know what not so that was always coming but her reasoning was ridiculous in my opinion and that's kind of the history of their relationship um in a nutshell and so later on while Walker is sleeping he's like he's having he's basically dreaming of him bursting into the house and, and it's all done in slow motion as he pushes her down and then he goes into the room and he starts shooting at the bed and all the while he's having this dream he's slowly like falling off of the couch because she lets him sleep on the couch and 
as he's shooting, that's when he wakes up and he goes looking around and he goes back into the bedroom. He sees Lynn, you know, laid out on the bed or whatnot. He's thinking that she's asleep. But as he gets closer, because he was about to kiss her, as he gets closer to her, he noticed like something isn't right. So he checks her pulse or whatnot and realizes that she's dead. She overdosed um, because she she was on drugs, um, and everything, which he didn't know that she was um, or whatnot. So, you know, this kind of bothers him a little bit. And when he was getting ready to leave is when this delivery boy comes there and he yanks him in, tosses him over the couch and everything. And grills him about like, who, what is this? And it's like, well, it's, it's for Mrs. Mrs. Um, Mrs. Walker, or whatnot. And so he finds out that the man who was having his deliveries made to her is, is a man named uh, Stegman, Big John Stegman to be exact, who's this um car dealer and everything. So Walker he leaves and he goes to see um Stegman and. Stegman is this sleazy dude that when we first see him, because this guy is over talking to this woman, a beautiful woman that's looking at a car and everything. He's standing there just just eyeballing this lady. And Walker, he comes up and he starts talking to Stegman and everything about, you know, about getting a car. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And it's like, well, Walker's like, yeah, I want to get a car. He's like, how about this car? Oh, yeah, it's a great car. He's not even looking at the car. He's still focused on the woman. So um as so he's like well i want to take it out for a ride so he so stegman is just so drooling over this woman he goes over and says like oh yeah you know about this car this that and the other it's like well don't you go anywhere i'm gonna go show this car real quick but you make sure you're still here when i get back type of situation so he gets in the car with uh walker and walker puts on his seatbelt, and stegman's like oh you don't really need that and walker just looks at him and as they take off uh, down the road, and everything seemed to be cool until Walker starts driving crazy or whatnot and just starts trashing the hell of his car. And he starts like hitting the gas and brake and just jerking um, Stegman all around. Like he's basically flopping all around in the car to get information about where Reese is. And he's tolling the car until, he finally, until Stegman finally tells him like that Reese is with the organization and and everything like that but it's a funny scene of how that plays um and i'm pretty sure that's a ride that stegman would not forget after that especially with how he told us the hell out of that car so after this well this is where he finds out too that um that reese has been fooling around with lynn's sister chris and so reese uh, not reese but uh walker he knows that lynn works at that that Chris works at this uh, club and everything. So he goes to the club to see about, tries to go find Chris to, you know, find some information about where exactly Reese is. So as he goes to the club, this is where, while he's going to the club and everything, Reese uh, shows up to Stegman, who's had the car, the total car towed back to the dealership. And Reese shows up and he's talking to Stegman and he's like, well, who did this? He's like, it was it was a guy named Walker. He's like Walker, you sure? And everything. It's like yeah. It's like I know what he looks like. Yeah, he describes him. It's like yeah, that's Walker. So he said, well, I want you to, I want you to fix this, and everything. Instead, he's like, well, did you tell him anything about me? He's like, I didn't tell him nothing, even though he did. Like, okay, well, just make sure you 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 take care of it or whatnot. So Reese 
So Reese leaves, and then we go back to where Walker is at the club looking for Chris, and as he sits down, um, this waitress named Sandy, she comes over, and she says the line, like, Walker, you still alive, type of thing, and it, it triggers that whole thing of, why would she ask him he's still alive? It's like, it's almost like everyone knows that he's dead, but he doesn't know that he's dead in a way. they have like an exchange and she he asks about um chris and everything it's like oh she's off tonight and and everything and she does tell him that some guy was asking about him or whatnot and so he's like is there a back way out of this so she's like um behind the stage so he's getting ready to leave all the while this is cut in with this uh singer that's almost like a supposed to be like a james brown ripoff in a way Cause all he's doing is is doing like the, he's doing the yelling and and the help me help me and you know riffing with the crowd and everything, and all the while the music is playing. So Walker he goes behind the stage and he's trying to leave, and he he sees this guy standing there. So without hesitating, Walker grabs this bottle, smashes the dude across the face. The other guy comes up. They try to attack, and at first it seemed like they gonna beat the hell out of walker but then walker starts beating the hell out of them and just gets rid of the two of them like it's nobody's business all the while while this is in a cut with the people having a good time and with the music and everything and that scene the way it plays out like i said it's a great fight scene it's like one of the few fight scenes in the movie really and I, i've always liked how that scene plays out and it just is just something seems kind of otherworldly about it in regards to that too because after it's done, it's like Walker, he's like seen in the shadows, just kind of looking. And then he kind of disappears in a way. Because the woman that comes back there, she sees the two guys laying on the ground, you know, hurt and everything. But she doesn't see Walker. So it's like, okay, well, how exactly did he disappear without her actually seeing him? Because maybe he's actually is a ghost um, and everything. So, um so Walker ends up going to Chris's place and she also asks about if he's still alive. So it's like, yeah, this is kind of being put in our face about whether or not Walker is really alive. And this is like one of the few movies that I've actually seen with Angie Dickinson playing like a major character. I haven't seen like a lot of Angie Dickinson movies, but this is this. This is one of two movies that I've seen her in along with uh, Lee Marvin. The other one is a movie called Death Hunt, which also starred Charles Bronson um, or whatnot. And here she, I, I kind of like their relationship and they do have really good chemistry. And I thought she does a good job in this role, um, even though she kind of comes in and out of the movie um, sporadically in a way. But the scenes where she's involved, I thought she does a really good job um playing this character of chris because she has to she she plays the toughest role i think because she is not only having to be involved with um walker but also to have to be involved with the man who and reese who is kind of responsible for her sister you know being hooked on drugs and then she is also involved with him at the same time 
and it, it like I say she she plays a tough role in this movie but she pulls it off perfectly I thought um so after they kind of have a discussion and everything and Walker basically wants Chris to get Reese you know to his penthouse so that way he can come up with a plan to get in to like grill him about getting his money or whatnot and but at the same time Reese is starting to get some heat from the organization in regards to everything that's been going on with Walker showing up and you know causing trouble so now Reese really feels like he needs to do something to get walk off his back in a way so so reese goes um so reese and walker reese and chris i'm sorry reese and chris you know they go to his penthouse walker he goes across the street to this penthouse to this um to this building and he basically calls the distraction for the calls the cops and have the cops show up across the street in order for him to slip in um to Reese's building and he gets up to where um Chris is with Reese in bed and everything and or whatnot. So he manages to slip in and he gets uh Reese and wants money and everything like that. And he explains to him exactly what went down and why he needed the money just so he could get back good with this organization. And everything and Walker just have to happen to be in the way and in the process of doing all this talking, Walker forces Reese out onto the balcony and basically some way somehow Reese flips over the ledge and he falls to his death and gets pinned under a car. And so Chris, she she leaves the um the penthouse and everything. Now this is where it, once again it kind of insinuates that walker is like a ghost because as walker gets out of there he goes down into the parking garage there's one of the goons is there is shooting at him and he literally stepped out and this guy's shooting at him and it doesn't phase him but walker he just steps back and leans behind one of the pillars or whatnot and the cops they come around there and they catch the dude they shoot him in the leg and then they take him away but the fact that walker is it's like a unseen you know presence or whatnot it's just the way that scene kind of plays out it furthers that whole theory that walker is otherworldly basically um so just have to talk about john vernon for a second his performance is reese because i mean john vernon i know of from the movies that i've seen he always played like this hard-ass character with a deep gravelly voice and stuff like this and this is one of the few movies where i've seen him in where he plays like a weasel in a way where he basically used you know walker in order to get what he needed and then kill his best friend that was the intention to kill his best friend just so he can get back in with the good life with this organization and the fact that he goes out like you know you know pleading for his life in a way is is very interesting seeing john vernon play that role because he because for the most stuff that i've seen him in like um outlaw josie wells animal house um even killer kind from outer space uh savage streets you know those type of movies he's always the tough he's always like a tough character and everything but in this movie you know when everything really goes down he really becomes like this oh please you know don't kill me type of 
character. It was just funny just seeing him play that type of role. But he does a great job in his performance. Just, it just I wish there was a little bit more between him and Walker than what we got in this movie, though. So, <clears throat> so Walker he goes to see uh, Carter because he's someone else that is like one of the top people that runs this organization, and Carter is like a public figure and everything. And he goes to meet Carter. He's like, "Yeah, I want my money." And and everything, and Carter's like, uh, I, I don't know what this is all about, and whatnot. So he tells him about Reese and this, that, and the other about money and this, that, and the other. So the fact that he has Carter now, and he works out a thing where he has Carter basically kidnapped in for Stegman to bring him his money at a mutual meeting ground. And Walker is not an idiot. He realized, like, okay, maybe if this is a setup, I'm not going to show myself, but I'll send out Carter to get the money from Stegman. And as Carter basically is pushed out um, and everything to go meet with that, we see where there is actually a sniper, like at a distance away. And he's yelling, Carter's yelling like, it's okay. It's Carter. whatnot." And the sniper, he, now he, now this is the interesting part because he knows that it's Carter. He still shoots him anyway, and it freaks out Stegman. Stegman takes off to run, and as he's running away, the sniper shoots and kills Stegman too. And Walker, he leaves because it's like, yeah, I knew this was going to be a setup, but he was surprised that that both of the, Carter and Stegman were both killed in a way. Um... So after the whole shooting goes down, Walker, he goes back to see Chris and and everything. And this is where the movie kind of slows down a little bit of where we get to, you know, they spend some nice loving time with each other and everything just to kind of, I guess, recharge his battery in a way. And so he can go back out and, you know, kind of kick things back off because now it's like, okay, well, I thought I was going to get my money from Carter. Don't get my money because they kill Carter. They kill Stegman. So now the next person that I have to go after is a guy named Brewster, who's another one of the people who runs the organization. But uh, before I get to that, one one of my other one of the other things that alludes to the fact that Walker is actually dead is that when he gets up from from the bed with uh, Chris and everything, he's walking around now they don't show any of the bullet scars. He doesn't have any bullet scars on his body. So if you've been shot, especially at the close range that he was shot, he should have some bullets, you know, wound scars on his body, but he doesn't, which furthers that whole theory of Walker is a ghost and, and everything. And I, I think they did that scene like that intentionally. I don't think a lot of people even, catches catch that when they watch it but if you watch the movie for someone that's supposed to have been shot at least three four times you know at close proximity range and they managed to live they should have some type of scars on their body from where they were shot but he doesn't at all so that's the whole that's helps me continue with my theory that walker is a ghost um and everything so brewster he comes back to town and brewster is played by carol o'connor you know, yes, the same Carol O'Connor from All in the Family and also 
the TV series of In the Heat of the Night as Sheriff Gillespie or whatnot. That same Carol O'Connor. And here he plays a loud mouth and everything. He comes back to town and he gets off the plane and the the hired gun sniper guy, he shows up and he tells Brewster, you know, what's happened that Carter's dead and everything like this. And so it's like, Carter's dead? And like, yep. It's like, well, who killed Carter? He say, like, I killed him. You killed Carter is what he say. He's like, well, I say, well, I guess you won't get paid and everything. So Brewster gets in his car to, you know, to go home and everything. And so the dude's like, well, who's going to pay me? He's like, I don't know. He's like, say well how about you go kill how about you kill walker or no um you kill um fairfax how about you go how about you go see fairfax and get your money from him if he don't give you the money then you can kill him or whatnot and everything so brewster he leaves and while this was going on walker had a meeting with yost about um you know about meeting up with um with Fairfax um and everything it's like well where are we? where where's Fairfax's house it's like no where no about meeting with Brewster that's right I'm sorry meeting with Brewster it's like well well I want him alone it's like well, well where does he live like you're here so like, we're here and everything and the way Walker turns and say well alone I want to be with him alone and Yost he just looks at him and then he leaves and I've had this theory too that even though Walker is considered like a ghostly character, but Yost always came across like a like the devil in a way. Because no one is really seeing either one of these guys and they always seem together and, and how exactly does Yost know where to you know, how is it that he's getting information on on Carter, on Brewster, on Stegman, on Reese and everything to, you know, to find out exactly where all these people are. And the fact that they made this deal at the beginning of the movie or whatnot, they always kind of gave me this theory, like, could Yost be like the devil that's helping him in a way and everything because of the fact that he wants the syndicate, well, the organization um, or whatnot. And I always found it kind of interesting, but so so uh, when Brewster comes home and everything, he walks in and he realizes that that uh, Walker is there and he starts, please, like, you're a very bad man, Walker. It's like you, you got everyone around here killed and for what? And everything. And in fact, the Carol O'Connor, the way he plays it is it, funny in a way. And they go back and forth. And then. um. Brewster, he gets on the phone to make a phone call in regards to getting Walker his money. And what's funny about that is that he realized, like, hey, he might kill me if they don't give if you don't give him what he wants, he's going to kill me. And so after that is where Walker takes um, Brewster to Alcatraz Island. Cause, so basically we're going back to where everything started at back at Alcatraz. And he puts um, Brewster out. In the, in the light and tells him as long as you stand in the light everything will be fine or whatnot so he's standing out there and then walker he's like watching from the shadows off a distance and you see where this helicopter comes and he lands down and brewster gives the pilot something the pilot gives him the fold with the money in it 
and helicopter takes back off and leaves and bruce is like all right i got your money now walker and next thing you know brewster gets shot and he falls down and everything and you're trying to figure out well who the hell shot him because don't think it was walker that shot him and we see yost come out of the, the shadows and um brewster isn't dead he looks up and he shows he's like fairfax like walker walker this is fairfax and we find out that yost is actually fairfax that actually wanted control of the whole organization thing but i still have that feeling that that he was actually the devil or whatnot but for the movie purposes he's actually fairfax who basically was secretly trying to get everyone out of the way just so he could take over the organization and the fact that walker basically disappears he never comes for the money so he never gets the money in the end and he just disappears and yos well fairfax i should say and the uh sniper were working together and that's basically how the movie is left with with fairfax and the sniper basically calling out for walker and everything about getting his money but walker never comes back and he just mysteriously disappears and that's how the movie ends um and everything and i just found it interesting that they decided to end the movie like that the fact that he works all this movie to try to get this money but he never gets the money as if the money was never truly important to him it's just to get these certain people out of the way and then once that was done i guess his mission was over so he was allowed to cross over to the other side and that's why he just disappears um now one thing about this movie and from me talking about the movie is that i know in 1998 there was a little movie called payback which starred mel gibson and it was very similar it's very similar in plot or whatnot and the movie is basically a somewhat remake of point blank um, but just not done, you know, just not called point, but it's called payback, but it's virtually the same freaking movie. Um, there's a lot of scenes that are virtually identical. The same thing with him getting shot. Um, his pair, his partner, you know, trying to get into this syndicate, you know, get back into the syndicate, not the organization, but the syndicate, his ex-wife is, you know, a drug addict and this, that, and the other or whatnot. Payback is a good movie too um or whatnot but over the years i've always found myself leaning more towards point blank because of that whole ghostly type of um thing that kind of runs out in regards to the character of walker whereas porter that's uh mel gibson's character named payback is not he he's not considered um a ghost or anything because you actually see him get operated on where the doctor pulls the bullets out of him and everything so you know he's not a ghost or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much um, point blank. Uh, if I had to give the movie a rating, I'd give it a solid four out of five. I mean, Lee Marvin, he does a great job as the, you know, the man Walker and everything. And just this tough, badass type of character um, and everything. Even though he likes to randomly just burst into rooms and shoot first and ask questions later um, <laughs> and everything like that. Um, if I had to go with a favorite character, it probably would be the character of, of walker just because of how he how cool he is throughout the movie 
and everything because that's that's something you don't really get a lot anymore you don't get a lot of characters in movies like this that are just cool characters and everything they generally they have to have some type of be some type of way um but um but yeah that's pretty much it so i want to thank you guys for listening to this episode uh i'll be back uh next week with another episode episode 165 where i'll be talking um the steve mcqueen movie bullet um and everything so that'll be the episode for next week that i'll be doing continue on with old school june um if you want to hit me up you can check me out on twitter at j movie talk as well as my personal page the the j giles as well as on instagram at jmt podcast and of course you can find all of the j movie talk episodes a part of the tv zone podcast network um the host site of course is anchor but if you on any of the regular um podcast catchers like itunes stitcher spotify google um google podcasts and all of the others that are out there that we're attached to just type in tvs on podcast network and just you can find the j movie talk episodes there um thank you guys once again for listening and i will check you guys next time peace